All right, guys, thanks for joining us once again. Uh, today we have Riley Butcher joining us. Now, he's a college pro alumni. He ran a franchise for three years, was a general manager for one, and has now moved into a business coaching and business development position with WSI, one of our uh, associate brands here at Clear Summit Group. So we're really excited to talk to him today about a lot of interesting stuff. You know, we got a bit of real estate in there. You know, I always like to touch on the real estate, um, but we'll go into, you know, transferable skills from college pro and from entrepreneurship in general into, you know, professional networks. And you know how he's made that transition. A lot of great content. Uh, let's jump in. Entrepreneurs Start Here helps you bridge the gap between now and what is next. We embrace taking action and leaning into your community to grow. Explore the ins and outs of being an entrepreneur and what it takes to truly start through candid interviews with innovators like you. This is the Entrepreneurs Start Here podcast. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of Entrepreneurs Start Your Podcast. Today, we're joined by Riley. Riley, I know we haven't met before, but it's a pleasure to meet you, sir. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Yeah, likewise. Good to meet you, Owen. Uh, nice to see you, Quentin. I know it's been a little while, but it's good to see you guys. Yeah, excited to see what you've been up to. For I've, sure. seen, I've seen a little bit on, uh, I think, Instagram and Facebook. Emily's posted some house pictures, so I'm excited to see about that, actually, as well. Oh, yeah, real estate yeah. questions. I always like to dig into that. Yeah, yeah. It's exciting and a long journey. I can put it that way. I've learned a lot doing this house. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's definitely something I'd like to hear about. I guess one thing that often starts out our episodes is talking about the very beginning of your business interest, your entrepreneurial journey. So I guess, you know, as I mean, one thing I've noticed is a lot of people are saying they did paper routes when they were eight or, you know, lemonade stands. So were you a natural born entrepreneur? When did that kind of uh, business interest start uh, developing for you? Good, good question. Um, I didn't even think about paper routes uh, when you think of entrepreneurship, but I definitely did penny saver when I was a kid. Uh, my stepbrother and I had like, I think 100 and, 180 homes on two streets, very long, long streets. So our Thursday nights uh, were gathering the penny savers. Our hands were like pitch black after <laughs> all the papers into it. And then uh, Friday nights was our delivery time. We would just show, pretty much go through all all of the houses for, I don't know how long I probably did that two years. Um, but I'd say the biggest kickoff was probably CP, like in, in a reality, right? Like fully running a business, fully um, taking on, I guess, employees, payroll, sales, ops, pretty much everything. So, um, but yeah, like I'd, I'd say the journey definitely kicked off entrepreneurship wise with college pro. Um, and in conjunction, I'd say even just with school, like studying entrepreneurship, being around people that were running their own businesses and getting into the startup world, if that makes sense. So, um, it was exciting. Very exciting. Yeah. yeah. Nice. How'd you get nice. recruited? Wait, wait, I, I have a question. Oh, I have sorry. a, I have a question okay. and I have a, I have to interject this story. Not that I want to call out my cousin. I don't know if he listens to podcasts anyway, so it's all, <laughs> it's all good. I, my cousin one time took on a paper route and I don't know why he did this, but he did. And he took this on and I went over to his house and there was like, I don't know how many, it's actually phone books. I don't know how many, there's a ton. And there's this whole guest room was full piled high with phone books and he had to put them all in bags. So I, I spent the whole time that I was there that weekend putting these phone books in bags. 
And then he spent however long, however many days it was supposed to be. I think it was like 10 cents per phone book. He got deli- oh, yeah. delivered, yeah. right? Is that the going rate, I guess? Based I don't on- know what it is today. I was, I think that was 18 cents, like a paper maybe, oh. I want to say. So I was like premium dollars back then when you add up 180 of them. But uh, yeah, but yeah, that's funny. I definitely have some like PTSD. Uh, yeah. yeah, I don't think, yeah, I don't know that everybody in uh, the greater Halifax region got their phone books that year. I, would, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be, yeah, I wouldn't be 100% certain on that. Um, Tripping the cousin right here on, uh, on no radio, so let's talk about Yeah, well, yeah, well, this is the test to see if he listens, if he's one of the, our avid listeners, so. Um, yes, but yes, back to, back to Owen's question, I guess, how did you end up uh, hearing about College Pro and then joining the, joining the team. Why did you Why did you join? Yeah, um, I I actually heard so a buddy of mine who I went to school with did window cleaning um, in our local area and there was this massive like retirement home with probably thousands of windows and he got that job and I worked with his brother at the golf course when I was there for like six years and so uh, I'm like that's interesting like what is that College Pro heard a little bit about it. Um, and then I applied randomly online to something that wasn't college pro branded, but it sounded like exactly like college pro. And I'm like, that just seems odd. Um, so anyway, I called them up and one thing led to another it was college pro basically. And so, yeah, I connected with, uh, with Megan White in the painting side of the world there. And, um, and yeah, that's pretty much how I found out about college pro. It was really just a little bit of word of mouth, um, locally in my hometown, uh, and then connected online to apply. Um, and from there, it was pretty straightforward. It felt like um, there wasn't really anyone in my territory, which was kind of good because I had the entire winter area to operate in, uh, which for perspective, that's probably like three turfs um, when you actually have the right people there. So um, being a first year uh, franchisee and getting that space was very lucrative. Uh, looking back at it, um, I was jealous uh, when I did have that and after every year it just got smaller and smaller my, my turf so but it was good it was really good to see Windsor grow over the past few years when I was there um, but yeah that's how I pretty much got synced up connected with CP um, at the initial stages and kind of getting started in the business side of it. Cool and were you taking business at school? I was yeah so I taking business um, and I kind of converted into business plus like strategy entrepreneurship so some of my classes were very much tied to strat um, and then just like flat out entrepreneurship and kind of looking at building businesses and talking about that stuff. So it was really um, at the time it was super aligned with like what I was actually doing outside of school and what I was learning inside of school, which was probably, I want to say one of the first times that actually aligned, you know what I mean? A lot of times you're learning stuff that you're not applying or vice versa. So um, it was really cool to have very just commonalities and conversations with a lot of people in school and outside of school. Something we've debated on the show a bit before is like the value of pursuing uh, you know formal education, entrepreneurship, and that sort of thing. Like, do you think that uh, just by virtue of you applying it and learning it, like an added value? I always kind of felt like uh, you know going through college pro and having the hands-on experience meant oh, I want to be in education, but maybe I didn't apply myself enough in school. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would say transparently, a four-year degree for me took way more than four years. So for me, um, I would say the most value I got of my like younger in my early 20s, like late teens, was definitely college pro-related in terms of like the real life skills of like dealing with people, communicating with people, 
um, you know, talking to end customers, having employees, managing those expectations. Um, so if I were to, to your question, the great debate of like formal education or let's say more hands-on, like really real life skills, if I were to do it again, I probably would have done college for like five years earlier and probably not gone to school um, if I really had the choice. But given where I was maturity wise, I don't think I could do it. Right. Mm -hmm. Like people can do it when they're 18, 17 and, and run it really well. I think I was 21, maybe or 22 when I got into CP. So. Um, so, yeah, I think part of life is just things come at you at the right time and in the right scenario. So right. But I will say I, I think I could probably uh, enjoy not going to school and definitely sticking to CP if I had the uh, if I had the choice in a way, thinking back to it and kind of looking back at what did transpire through those years. So. But there's something that's special about it. I just think back to like first year rookie franchise, like just having 2,500 conversations with customers, like adult homeowners and stuff like that. Like there's just an intangible value there. I think that um, you just go so far. Like, oh yeah. Just stories, hearing stories. Those, those soft skills, those yeah. sales tricks, the way you can think on your feet and manipulate a conversation the way you want to go. Like there's, there's not really any experience of places that are like just knocking on 10,000 doors and making 2,500 phone calls. Like, you know, awesome. yeah what i'm thinking about just now i don't know if i've ever thought about this in this way before is that's so true you're saying about talking to just having so many like instances of relatively meaningful inter interactions with mm. adults and just pe people that was a huge thing that i didn't think about when i first ran my business in my first year i just didn't realize how um beneficial it is just to have that many conversations because especially now you probably even more so than when any of us started our franchise although owen is uh, a little bit junior to uh, <laughs> <laughs> riley um, oh, yes. <laughs> you have that youthful glow still um yeah i think this like people just aren't used to talking to each other that much well how many people do you know right now, i don't know maybe maybe you guys don't know as many but a bunch of people my age like won't order pizza on the phone and order dominoes online like no yeah, yeah 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 well, i don't know i mean i didn't and i think for you guys um like oh and i don't know when when you were like running your gm etc but like i mean the last two years three years i'm sure the the shift of just conversations transactions have been altered a ton even just like no not the same as going in someone's house actually sitting down hanging out for 30 minutes like chatting with them like that was my glory because painting wise, my estimates were much, much longer than window cleaning side. So no I was there for two hours, an hour and a half, a lot of the times. And it was like fully getting to know them, you know, the family, um, especially when you just be inside a home, it was winter. I mean, Canada, it's cold. So mm -hmm. I would do a lot of my estimates inside um, afterwards. So, um, but yeah, like ironically enough, when I got onto CP, like when I signed on, not necessarily starting yet, probably like December, you know, before Jan of my first year, um, I, uh, I looked for like a sales show because I was like, I need to figure out how to like talk to people. Like, I don't need, like I've never done sales. I'm supposed to sell all these big painting jobs. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, so I ended up getting a, a gig straight commission selling credit cards at gas stations. So if you ever had a, like oh. one of the Canadian tires or wherever, and you're like, oh man, this guy's coming to sell me a credit card. Like you're pumping your gas as fast as you can. I was that guy and uh, it was actually, I made an insane amount of money per hour doing that. I blew my mind that people would actually sign up on the spot for a credit card. Um, but that was like a big shift for me to like, cool, I can do this. Or like, I feel confident just talking to 
you know, 40 year olds, 50 year olds about all this stuff. So I'm like, same thing as a homeowner. Right. So, um, yeah, it was a lot of fun doing that. That's well, that really cool. I actually kind of did the same thing. I ended up selling uh, like cell phone products for Telus. Uh, oh, yeah. Before, like after moving any signs and starting up. Uh, it's cool that you say that. I mean, that's pretty cool. I don't know how many. Uh, I've never actually been sold a credit card at a gas station, but that sounds like some real sales. Right. Riley's making me uh, feel a lot better saying that he was surprised at how many people sign up for these things because I would be your. I have in my closet over there, I have like 10 cans of uh, car. Like, oh yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that I got sold at a gas station that I've yeah. never used. Spent like two hundred dollars on this car polishing wax from the sales guy at this gas station in Quebec one time, and it's never been opened. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> I had that like three weeks ago. Same same type of product. Just like boom. I was like, no nah, man, I can't. I really can't. I'm sorry. You're like, I've been there. Good luck. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Exactly. So it was I had a child sell me cologne at a gas station once. <laughs> <laughs> what gas? It was like it was like a coffee polo black. It was like American polo dark. Or something. Oh <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I don't remember what gas station we're on. I think that's pretty funny. funny. Yeah, I gotta say yes to a child. You know, they're out there. They're, one day they'll be on the podcast and they'll say, "Hey, well, how'd you get started on entrepreneurship?" I actually sold guys cologne at a gas station, so probably have it one day. Yeah, I knew you looked familiar. Yeah, we'll get we'll get there. So I guess that was your yeah that was your entrance into entrepreneurship. Although it sounds like it started maybe early earlier in childhood, and then uh, what are you up to now? What am I up to now? Good question. So. Um... So yeah, I when I so I basically ran a franchise for a few years, transitioned into a GM with College Pro, and then College Pro uh, got acquired by Clear Summit Group, um, and I was pretty much just wrapping up the painting side, which discontinued, and then the window cleaning side obviously is still with the CSG family. Um, so actually, what I'm doing now is CSG has a bunch of sister franchise companies underneath them, College Pro being one. Um, and WSI. So WSI stands for We Simplify Internet. And essentially, it is a digital marketing franchise. So very similar in the franchise family. Um, and my main role with WSI is pretty much a business coach and onboarding training. So pretty much what I do on a, a nine to five is I'd say it's like eight hours of Zoom calls, um, where I'm just pretty much connecting with any franchisee, whether they're just coming on board, joining WSI, whether they're 10 years, three years, five years, 10 years. Um, WSI itself has been around for 25 plus years. So this was like pre-Google, if you can believe it, like WSI existed. So um, thinking back to what we sold then was just bipolar compared to what is happening in our world today. When you think of websites, social, everything that's gone online. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much what I do on a day-to-day. -day. So coaching, training, um, a lot of sales, so I'll jump on calls with end clients, kind of get them going and scaling up their business uh, right away. Um, and then a lot of training as well. So anytime a new franchisee comes on board, we have training that we do virtually, uh, which is pretty much, I pretty much own that, run that um, as we bring them on board. So um, we've had a few fun initiatives come up in the last little bit with WSI in terms of just working on, on how to find new young exciting entrepreneurs that want to get into the world of digital and um that's been a challenge but a lot of fun i think at the same time so so yeah in a nutshell that's pretty much what i do so still in business still in coaching still in franchising would you tell us a little bit i guess about the transition from college pro to wsi like how did that come about that sounds like a good story 
Uh, yeah, yeah. So I, I pretty much connected with Tony uh, Valley a little bit uh, when I was transitioning from college pro to WSI. And it turned out that a coach from WSI had recently left, I think, to go something else. And so there was a spot open and they needed and a lot of, I guess, the interesting piece in this for anyone listening to this, like with the college pro terminology, like GSNR, typical coaching events, priority management, all those buzzwords that we all know as CP or CP alum, um, all of those competencies are now being transitioned into all of the other franchise brands within CSG. So for, for Mike, who I, I work with, he's the VP um, in the coaching side. Um, I came there with like already having GSNR experience certified, et cetera, through the GM role, recruiting, priority management. So I was kind of already there where they were just starting to learn about these skills. They had no idea what GSNR was. Um, they didn't incorporate that a bit at the start. So um, it was, I think, an easy transition for WSI to go cool. Like we have someone that is already skilled up in a lot of these competencies that we're now employing to new franchisees. Um, but yeah, it was, it was pretty quick. Uh, Mike's a super nice guy and, and we got along pretty well when I first connected with him to join the team. Um, and it's been, uh, it's been a ride since then. So yeah. Pretty cool hearing about how college pro systems are like affecting other businesses like that. That's pretty cool. It's, it's, it's very skilled. Yeah. Like it's, it, you, and I would honestly say, I want to say probably every franchise brand under the CSG world is like knows all of those like core skills, like whether it's coaching, whether it's GSNR, which are definitely two of the biggest ones, facilitation um, as well, which has been different in years given COVID and all the virtual stuff that we've been doing. But, right. um, but yeah, it, it is wild. It, I think everything translating pretty, pretty common, I think through all the brands right now. So it's sweet. Yeah. Those are skills that um, they, it's really cool to see how they translate so well between any business and they're so helpful and it's so helpful to have a metric to know if you're actually good at a uh, most like soft skill like that i thought that that really stood out to me when i started coaching um with college Pro. kind of circles back to what we were saying earlier just about like you know having those thousands of repetitions at the beginning like it put me way ahead of all the other 20 year olds but then you know i was becoming a gm getting trained in you know facilitation and sales and all these differences i mean it really took me to the next level because i'm sure you guys would say the same thing like i got i got way way better at sales with the addition of that, that oh, yeah. training and certification like i mean i was already really good at selling window feeding but i don't know that i would have sold many franchises you know, work. yeah yeah it's a different sell right like right. a different person persona that you're targeting like different pain points different goals that you know a homeowner versus an actual young exciting entrepreneur or wannabe entrepreneur i guess um is in that space so yeah i would agree i would agree you're just like the finding needs and then like applying pressure on those needs like that the skill will come in handy like every day of my life probably beyond just recruiting and stuff and that sort of thing. Like it's pretty oh, yeah. pretty nice skills at that i can see why that would be useful in WSI or anyone else well it's a big shift because i went from like b to c to b to b so yeah. like i don't talk to kids i don't like homeowners are very foreign to me now and they yeah. were all i knew uh you know what i mean for three or four years um and now it's it's not even that it's you know we're talking to business owners sometimes they're doing a million sometimes they're doing ten you know uh, a year so it's like very different conversations um, in terms of like the directiveness what they want what they need so going back to like needs gathering going back to pain points like a lot of it is still similar but it's just a different type of sell right or a different right. product or service you're offering so um, it was a gap when I first got here to go oh this is interesting this is B two B this is what this world's like. 
Um, but everything that I learned, it was still applicable in some way, shape or form. It wasn't like I was recreating wheel. It was like, how do I have different needs that I can then, you know, at least service those based on what we sell and what we offer. So it was pretty cool. I guess I'm wondering, like, it's digital advertising, right? I'm not mistaken there. Yeah, no. So like, we're like pretty Facebook much... ads, like Google AdSense stuff, like that's yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so, how like, was that something you had to pick up and learn? Really, like, hundred percent, hundred percent. I knew, I knew painting, man. I knew Sherman Williams. I knew painting products. I knew how to prep things. I knew how to manage things with employees and all that stuff. Job sites, um, ladders. Like, still have my ladders sitting out on my lawn right now. Um, good thirty-two, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, but long story short, correct. So we're pretty much a full service agency. So when you think of website developments, ads of any sort, um, SEO, email marketing, social, like I would say you name it, we can pretty much offer or service it. So um, so a lot to offer in a sense um, from that side. But a lot of it I didn't know prior to WSI. Like I would say I was extremely green when it came to like the online world. Um so kind of weird to think that I'm training people on the online world now when I like two, three years ago, I did not know a lot about it, but um, it's really interesting being able to see it apply to like college pro. Like if I think back to what I know now to how I would do something in college pro, I, my mind was blown just of like the gaps that I had as a business owner back then with digital. So, yeah. I guess I'm wondering, you have a fresh perspective on recently learning the digital piece. Uh, any big advice you give to college for franchisees, starting entrepreneurs, uh, how they can leverage those skills and learn them quickly and apply them. Interesting. Um, I'd say if I'm thinking through that, the biggest thing I'd say is have a presence, right? So like have something, have some sort of presence locally. Um, the second piece would be drive as much reviews and positivity around what you're doing. So if you can get reviews on your Facebook page, your Google, my business page, your Google business profile now, um, I know College Row has been changing a lot of their systems online, which is really exciting because I just know there was gaps and what have you when I was there. But um, what, I, what I'm hearing from it is, is awesome. So if you're a local person, I'd say, yeah, as much as you can do uh, with what you're doing review-wise, the service you're providing, like that's huge. Um, and then I would even just say like any connection you can make as well um, in your local community and promote that. So like think of PR, right? Like if you're... If you're cleaning windows for a not-for-profit for some sort of good cause, like that's a great sense to like promote what you're actually doing, but more locally speaking in your community, right? So, um, but yeah, it's tricky with a franchise. Franchises are definitely tricky when it comes to the online marketing world and yeah. how brand branding they are, um, how systematic they are. So um, it's interesting having conversations with other franchise brands and seeing the same inconsistencies that they have that like, I experienced or other franchises that I think are way ahead, but they're actually pretty archaic in like what they're doing online still. So it's interesting to see that. So do you find, because we talk about that with when people come on and join us with a franchise and we give them these restrictions on what they can do online so that there's consistency. What, what are your thoughts on that? How do how would you, what's the best practice on consistency versus doing things your own way and how how should you look online uh i'd say the more consistent the better for a franchise specifically so if you guys have all the same google business profiles they're titled the same same like similar addresses for the ones that you need um the biggest thing is like google to pick up on the consistency of the brand so like if things like college pro cambridge 
dash Waterloo, and then you have another one that's like College Pro or Cambridge dash College Pro. It's just confusing from an algorithm perspective. So um, essentially, like Facebook pages are named the same, business profiles are named the same. All of that consistency um, is huge, just from the online presence side of it. Um, so that's probably the biggest thing that I'd say if I'm thinking through like a franchise or having things on brand. Um, and the biggest thing too is like College Pro has uh, has a authority online. Like if I go to do Riley's window cleaning tomorrow, I have zero authority. Like no one knows who I am. So the more a franchisee can lean into what's already been created and established, the better chance they have at actually leveraging the content, the marketing that like College Pro has created for the last 20, 30, 40, 50 years. And recently too, right? So yeah. that's probably the biggest thing. Even from a WSI perspective, like we've, we've got a big brand of 25 years. So it's like a lot new franchisee can lean into that way more than their own brand. So yeah, that's great to know. So we were talking a bit off air about what you're doing now and how uh, new potential franchise owners for WSI come through you. Is that correct? Yeah, in a way, it's definitely <laughs> more so like, yeah, yeah, like not the traditional franchise development route, but definitely once they go through that gate, it's it, they'll come to me, we'll start coaching them right away, training them um, and getting them skilled up, you know, as soon as we can. Cool. So you're training them, skilling them up, and then you said not everybody ends up actually operating. So what would be some of the reasons somebody doesn't you know, cross the finish line with that? Or yeah. Start line, I guess, would be more of it. Yeah. Uh, good question. So um, a big piece of it comes to uh, one of it is work ethic, like tenacity, if you want to call it, right? Like can they, you know, a lot of the people that we talk to are coming from a nine to five. So can they actually make the mental transition that like, you know, you can't just clock out at five. Like you, you might be putting in 60 or 70 hours a week. You might be working Sundays to figure out what you need to do for the next week. Um, so sometimes it's a big mental shift for people that they just can't actually mentally do that. Like they like the ability to check out at five or six and have their weekends and that's, they enjoy that. Um, so one piece is work ethic tenacity to actually do that. Um, another piece is like capacity. And when I say capacity, I'm like, um, not just like, do they know what they need to do, but like, can they actually connect dots in terms of like, not just, you know, being able to talk to a client, but then they can, can they manage the account after they've won it? Can they also like project manage the deliverables of a new website in conjunction with, you know, having a sales call two hours later, right? So very much going back to like, when I think of a college pro day where you're like on job sites, you're then doing quotes, you might have an interview for a new like painter or tech. It's like, can they actually do all of those things in a day? And can they like actually do it capacity wise? Um, so as you start adding more things onto their plate, you start to notice like what is falling. Are things falling or things not? which ties back into the capacity piece. Um, and then I did the other piece is just like, can they understand the world of digital? And I know that sounds weird in a way, but it is like, um, it is pretty complex. There's things changing. Like I want to say every quarter, every year with the world that Google is doing. So um, are they being able to actually, you know, absorb, comprehend like what the world of digital is like? Cause it's, it's this, like it's in the air digital. Like you can't touch a window. Like you can touch, you can touch a window, you can't necessarily touch a website. You can't feel a website, right? So a lot of the times people, it's hard for them to grasp that, right? When you go back to like a service-based business where it's like, I can actually see the window is beautiful. I can see the, you know, the painting job is nice or whatever it is, but 
So sometimes it's just like, I, I, I don't get it. It's in this like web of the internet. And like, I, I just can't comprehend all the different aspects that go into a website or into an SEO plan. So, um, so yeah, a lot of it is just like getting knowledge and skill uh, at the same time to move them through. That's interesting. That last point you said about somebody like understanding the digital side, like, do you have a lot of people wanting to run a franchise in the digital space that don't, uh, th that's not their interest like their interest is more in running a business rather than what the business is the biggest need that i see with our, the, the franchisees that come on is the remoteness of their business oh, okay okay i can be in i can be in cancun i can be in alberta i can be in ontario and still fully run my business like i would do anywhere else mm -hmm. so that is a big element. So we're as going back to the service-based business, like a lot of the times you are anchored down to that location, depending on you know where you are and where you're located, um, to service the clients you're servicing, right? To be connected with your employees, whatever that case may be. So the freedom and flexibility that this allows a lot of our franchisees is probably a big, big asset for them and like why they would want to come on board um, is tied to that. The other piece is because digital is always changing and it's an industry that's not slowing down, it's growing. There's the element of like, there's a lot more that's going to happen in the next five or 10 years. When you think of, you know, metaverse, you think of web three, you think of um, AI, like there's just so many different ideas and things that are not even in the full scope of it yet that on the back end, things are just going to get uh, pretty insane, uh, I think, in a way, in the next five or 10 years. So it's also the piece of like, you're just, you're, you're not, uh, I don't know, you're staying with the times, maybe is a way to put it, right? Like, you're just always up to date of what's happening in the world. So, um, so yeah, I'd say those are big pieces there. I used to think I wanted to be a digital entrepreneur kind of guy. I uh, started out before college, probably did like a Shopify store and all that stuff. I uh, got into the Facebook ads and Google ads, and I don't know, I, Maybe I mean the remoteness element, like you say, that is really cool. And I mean, being in Cancun and working your business, but I find like I can really only do just enough digital stuff to like stay current. I can't. Uh, I find it really hard to excel in that. Just like you say, right now, being able to touch it and feel it. Uh, something weird about it for me. It is no. I feel the same way. I feel the same way. That one's a bit of a luddite, though. I am a bit of a luddite. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Sadly, I like you say. I kind of want to be a digital entrepreneur uh, to run a business to make money to you remote not because yeah. I like selling ties on Shopify. It's interesting though what you're saying about so these the people that are coming through trying to run a business with you guys at WSI, they're not like diehard computer geek kind of people that are coding in their spare time and everything. Like they're coming through as like I want to run a business and that's why they're attracted to franchise, I guess, right? And so the skills you're looking for isn't necessarily the digital side just like the ability to maybe adapt to what's going yeah. on here but then more so um you said tenacity as a really big one like being able to live the entrepreneurial lifestyle of, of like you can't just clock out at 5 p.m sort of yeah. thing so more of those those sort of big picture skills that i guess would apply to just any entrepreneur any business leader ever right oh, for sure. For sure, yeah, it's it's very like very transferable, right? Like depending on what they're getting into, or even after WSI, before WSI, like what they're getting uh, or what they've done slash getting into. Um, so yeah, no, it, it it's very interesting. Like talking to people, I would say um, the people that are technical are actually people probably not a fit. 
which is right. oh yeah like we we do have a lot of like very technical people um as franchisees but um you can guess that their biggest pitfall is like sales and business development right mm-hmm. um they can code your website and they can build you a beautiful website but it's like it's kind of like hey i can you know i can do a really, I can be a really good painter right but like cool like that's great but how are you gonna actually grow your painting business if you're just a painter right or you're a really good window tech cool like how are you going to step away from the job and actually like hire three people to paint your house or clean your windows that's the challenging piece for some of those uh business owners um so yeah like we if someone comes into us and they have a ton of sales experience um you know kind of grew corporately speaking in a way um that's a big driver for us because like we know they can grow and learn the digital um as they grow right so that's cool. I mean, I know we're probably timing out a little bit right now, but I'm almost envisioning like a episode where you have like the business case for WSI. It sounds really scalable, right? I imagine. Um, oh yeah, yeah, like definitely. Cool that way, like there must the high end of those franchises must be pretty up there. Yeah, I think the one piece I'll say in on WSI is like the way we built the system is we have um, all of our delivery is also like we have a marketplace, so we have vetted vendors. So if you go, Owen got a client that needs a new website. Owen, you're not building a website. You're going to contract a website out to someone from our e-marketplace to build for you. So you become yeah. the manager of the project, not the actual like developer of the website. Right, that's what I assume. Just because, yeah. like, how would it be scalable otherwise? Exactly. So that's where the beauty of it is. Like, it's, it's just like everything's at your fingertips to then get the delivery going, and you still focus on sales. So that's very cool. Yeah, yeah. intriguing idea. Very neat. Mm-hmm. I guess though we are running out of time a little bit. I don't quite sorry to wait. No, it's all good. I was going to say similar. I was going to say we wanted to ask you about your, your real estate ventures, though. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Let's well. get to real estate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah real Enough estate. Enough of this other stuff. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can talk about real estate. I have two different, I guess, scenarios on the real estate side. So, like, my at the end of my second year of college pro, I made a decent profit, um, and I split on a house with my dad. And um, And this was like, I said to myself, if I don't, put this money in a house, I'm going to spend it on something stupid, like a vacation or something where I'm like, not going to get any return back. Alcohol. Yeah. Well, yeah. Whatever you want to call it, partying, everything else. So I was like, let's just make sure I put it away. And it's just like, it's in use. So we ended up splitting on a house. I think we bought it for like 70 K in winter. It was a two bed, one bath already rented to a Syrian family. And they, they were, cause, cause of the immigration program Canada had, they were they're getting money. It's guaranteed rent. Like we're not going to, they're not going to drop rent. So we actually had that, um, didn't put a dime into it from our own pocket. So other than the down payment, um, everything else was paid for through rent and the cash flow we had. And so we actually, with the crazy market in the last two years or year and a half or so, um, we decided to sell it and, uh, yeah, that I think we, I can't remember what we sold it for. I want to say it was like one, I want to say like 180. You told me there's still houses for sale for 180 in Windsor? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was not a good house. It was not a good house. No, I didn't, <laughs> still, I didn't <laughs> even know you could get like a house that's yeah, the country. I know. So we ended up like we, yeah, we banked a ton of profit on that. And I'd say that was like, I wish I did that six times um, back when oh. I did it, right? What's um, the down payment on that place? It's pretty small. We were my it was my dad put his name on title. It wasn't me, so we were twenty percent. So you basically okay. looking at like fifteen k. I think we were all in with lawyers closing costs at like twenty five. So and if it was just you on the name, like five percent first time home buyer, five percent exactly. Yeah, yeah. That pretty slick. Yeah. 
so that was that was step number one so that the sale of that house was this past year which actually helped funded the renovation that we're also currently doing um which so emily and i my partner we got a semi-detached duplex in cambridge um interesting story on this one it was on the market so we got it in march of last year it was on the market for months months um, which is rare back then things were on here for a couple of weeks and they were off um long-time tenants 25 year old tenants somewhat of a disaster inside like you couldn't really walk anywhere there was just like not the word order but it was it was pretty pretty bad um in terms of all the stuff they had so anyway we went to purchase it didn't get approved in the summer of 2020 um waited got approved the house was still on the market and we ended up getting it for like 20 grand less just simply because we waited and did nothing else that was it um so yeah we got that it was a full gut pretty much like we were down to the studs um all of last year did a pretty much everything ourselves outside of the big stuff like you know hvac we got a new roof new ac new furnace all new windows and doors new flooring i mean yeah we pretty much did a lot um and it's still somewhat ongoing almost complete but uh but yeah it was a ton of work um and that's kind of the two i guess say two ventures i've got so far in real estate so yeah would you do that reno again absolutely not no I mean, <laughs> um to be, yeah, no, transparently, like it's a mixture. And this is something that I would, if anyone is going out there to do what we just did, um, I'd say it's time versus money, right? Okay. So I, her and I both work very demanding jobs. So we're 50 hours a week easily. Um, she rides a ton of horses. I golf a lot. So for us to actually sit down and have like an extra 30 hours a week to just invest on the house renovation is, is tough. Um, okay. So it was pretty much like, do we hire contractors for some things and then do some things ourselves. Like I have the painting background. So all the painting was done by us. I'm outside of the exterior stuff. We hired someone to do that. I was not going to touch exterior, but, uh, but yeah, so it, it's pretty much a mixture of that. What I would say is I would definitely buy a house that doesn't need to go to the studs. Yeah. Like we were talking like pure studs, lab and plaster, the works, it was gross. It was like just, it was it was a disaster in terms of like the amount of stuff that we found and didn't realize mm-hmm. uh, so uh but anyway like we learned a lot like if we go to buy our next place which we're hoping to in the next you know six or nine months um we'll be set up pretty good like we'll know what we want to get we'll have a better idea of renovations but i'd get into something that's more cosmetic maybe some flooring um paint for sure if you can add a bit of value that way great um but yeah it was it was a ton it was a ton of work in my place, I just uh, added a wall, like to make another room, just drywall. Yeah, another room. So, like that's yeah, yeah. kind of felt like you know, add another bedroom for the rental income, add some value, but not too much more. No, no, for sure. If you can, we can do that at this place. Like it'd be a much bigger renovation if we did that. Um, so for us, it was like it's a semi-duplex, so mm. we're living on one oh, half yeah. of the other. So it was like um, it was just more a big upgrade of everything. Like this place hasn't been touched in thirty years. Like so. It was well, duplexes are also like famously tough to add, right? Just because of the legal requirements, the stringent legal requirements is going to be a big rental need. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, um, but yeah, like where we bought it is downtown Cambridge that this place is. So for perspective, two brand new apartment buildings were built like within a 30 second walk from us. So they're going for like five or 700 K um, right now. We bought it for like 380. So it's pretty nasty in terms of like the spread. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, it's been, uh, it's been a journey. It's been a journey this place. So that's awesome. Sounds like you're really cool. 
your uh, experience with running long hours, running your franchise, you and Emily uh, both. Oh yeah, it college road served you well. <laughs> served you well. Yeah, it built up a lot of callus in terms of work ethic and being able to grind like on those, you know, finish work at six, eat some food, you're up up there doing renovations at like 630 to 10. That was just like a regular occurrence. I actually lived, her and I lived at our parents, which is an hour drive. So for perspective, we would pretty much finish work, drive an hour, demo for three hours, drive an hour back. And we pretty much would do that for like the first two months. We didn't even move in when we got it. We couldn't move in. Like it was that fast. So we did that. I think we got it in March. We moved in June. So we did that for like three months. I don't mind demo and stuff, but I don't want to give the impression that College Pro is going to teach you how to do renos yourself from 6.30 uh, to no. 10 every night because <laughs> I'm a gentleman of leisure. I would never <laughs> Yeah, it was a lot. It was a lot of YouTube. You know what I mean? A lot of YouTube. Yeah, no doubt. Um, a lot of conversations with dads. Hey, man, can mm. we do this? Can we not? Um, but yeah. it, was, it was fun. It was fun. Sounds like it... Uh... Sounds like it's worth it. Are you at that point? Or are you still too in it? Very close, very close. I would say uh, once we get upstairs, like we got to do a bit more work up there and then we're going to be and be it. And I think once we start seeing some flow of cash come in and we're like, cool, like this is what we yeah. wanted to do. Um, are you doing a refinance there with that? Is that the plan? Yeah, so actually we already refinanced before oh, we nice. Yeah, yeah, we did that, um, which was awesome um, to get that on. I mean, interest rates are great, not really, but you know, we're all in that boat in terms of uh, in terms of houses. But when did um, you refinance? Pardon me. Did you get the refinance before they went way up? Uh, we did, but we're on variable, so it's gone up slightly. Yeah, yeah. Um, since we did that, but we didn't fix it in, um, which is okay. Like, I'm not super, you know, I'm I'm okay with that. Um, because for us, like, you know, we bought pretty low and our the way we refinance it we're pretty much around the same mortgage which is nice so we're not no, like nice. on that yeah yeah um so no it's been it's been uh it's been a ride but i would definitely real estate is awesome yeah like i love real estate and i wish i did more of it when i was like had still live at home put it that way and didn't have as many bills so nice well the what's the saying so the for the best time to buy is whatever tw- 10 years five years ago the second <laughs> is now you can start now you can keep oh going. yeah Absolutely. Absolutely. Place looks great. It looks great. Hope I can get a second one going here eventually. It'd be nice. It seems like a daunting task right now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll, yeah, we can each, you know, send some well wishes to each other for (laughs) the next second house. Feel free to send money instead. Yeah. Yeah, 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 Down payment sounds really good. Down payment sounds great. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We'll let you know how to contact us. All right. Uh, any uh, any final words here, Riley, before we let you off to your evening of potential renovations or golf or something? Um, no, no. I mean, I think uh, in general, I, I think just the world of CP, like even talking to you guys about WSI and the connection that I had to even get into WSI with CP and like what we've done has been pretty sweet. Um, I had, uh, yeah, I've been talking to actually people coming into WSI that have CP background, which is really interesting. And um talking to someone 12 years removed from college pro and still being able to like have conversations like it was you were in your first year your second year like just the memories are so fresh like there was yesterday so um it's really cool like the podcast you guys are doing and kind of what you started with with entrepreneurs start here and sharing some of the stories um but no i'd say like um what i've learned and what i've kind of been able to pass on to a lot of people i coach is very much indicative of the dna of college pro so um didn't think about it when I did join as a rookie and uh it's kind of weird the story and the journey that you go through it but 
um it has been awesome yeah, yeah to be a part of it so awesome yeah i agree well, thanks a lot i really appreciate uh, you saying that good mm -hmm. uh good having you on hopefully we'll get you back on here for a little wsi business case or something <laughs> okay. i'd love to love to it'd be great it'd be great awesome well take care thanks riley cool thanks guys see ya